From old school to new, from analytics to your gut feeling, and from nuance to a blistering hot take, Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice present to you Political Football. That's right, everybody. Welcome back to Political Football. Matty Ice, Cleve, Dave. As always, this is a Matty Ice Media Network production. You can find us on Instagram, Political Football Podcast, on Twitter, at Matty Ice Media, and of course, Matty Ice Media on Instagram, Matty Ice Media 21. Week three is in the books. I think I got that right. And um, overall, I felt like it was welcome to the NFL for a bunch of these rookie quarterbacks. So, Cleve, Dave, uh, how you fellas doing? Welcome back to the show. And Dave, I think you have some news, do you not? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually doing fantastic. I got engaged this weekend. Yes, congrats! Uh, thank you, thank you. After 15 years, she said yes, so I'm glad. I'm glad that she. Uh... Wait, you've been you've been planning it, or she's been saying no for 14 of these 15 years? No, 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 no. I haven't been getting consistent <laughs> no's. No Pepe Le Pew stuff over here. It's just okay. Uh, uh, yeah, she wanted to wait. She was done with school, so she's Dr. Megan. You know, nice. she's. Uh, more open to it so i surprised there are steps in the national gallery of art her favorite museum and uh snuck her family into town she had no idea they were here and so oh, she wow, got surprised by them and everything so yeah so it was a good, it was a good time so nothing could ruin my weekend even justin tucker that's true <laughs> so dave uh before we get into football i hope that as a groomsman gift at some point you do what the rock did to the nation of domination back in the day and gift them a photo of yourself as the uh, groomsman gift <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's actually going to be—it's going to be a a uh, mini disc of my best takes. <laughs> there we go. You know, that's actually not bad. You give give uh, the groomsmen a uh, like b- greatest hits of of your life and be like, this is the most important life that's ever been. So here's a disc that has all the highlights, starting from your birth until right now. I think that's really really good. So, um, week three. Right. We're now getting a little bit further into the season. I feel like we start to know a little bit more and a little bit more. And like I said at the top of the show, welcome to the NFL for a lot of these rookie quarterbacks. At least that's what I took away from it. Uh, We had a little bit of a debate offline about whether to start guys, whether or not to start guys. Uh, Cleve wants to bench everybody in the league. Dave wants to start everybody in the league. I'm somewhere in the middle. So um, let's get into week three and kind of break down what we got going on. And I think we're starting with a former New York Jet, are we not? We are. So we're going back to last Thursday. We've got the uh, Carolina Panthers 24, the Houston Texans at nine. And man, this was an ugly, ugly game. But I, I knew that we watched a lot of football uh, on Saturday. So I watched this game super intensely. And uh, the most important thing out of this game is that Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Now, Matt Rule says that he is not going on the IR. So hopefully it's less than three weeks until McCaffrey comes back. But Cleve, he pulled his hamstring bad enough for them to immediately declare him to be out. Isn't that an injury that takes a while to come back from? A little bit, yeah. And I think, um, and again, I'm not a doctor for those out there. I'm, I'm a personal trainer with with some uh, some knowledge under my belt. Um, I think they probably it it, it probably was tearing. Um, and this is speculation, and they probably just pulled him just for as a precaution that he's not out more than three weeks. Hopefully. Um, okay. In in that regard, because it, it probably he, he probably pulled it a little bit. And he said, "Hey, you know what? I can still go." And they're like, oh, you know what? Let's uh, this game is in hand. Let's uh, you know, let's not teeter on 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 tearing it up pretty much um, more than that." 
Is it fair to say, though, that hamstring is one of those worrisome injuries where it's really difficult for it to heal because of the burst speed that these guys need to go from at a standstill to you know bursting off quick? That's where the hamstrings really come into play. As oh, someone yeah. who's, who's strained it before, it doesn't really come back that easily. So for a guy that needs his legs the way he does, I, I would be a little bit concerned because this is not like his shoulder like last year. This is something he directly needs to be effective. That's why... I that's why I, I I'm I'm in the camp of they probably said hey, you know what as a precaution, you know the game is you know the game we don't need you for this game, you know we're good, so they probably hey, just dial it back a little bit so that we don't have to uh, you know have you out for ten weeks. I wonder if it's a little bit of gamesmanship too, to where like Rule knows he's out for five weeks, but he wants every team to have to prepare as if McCaffrey's coming back. <laughs> you never so he know. Won't put him on IR. Um, so I think there's some of that. Now, Sam Darnold's cleave, 23 or 34, 304 yards, no touchdowns, but no interceptions either. So he's he's looking okay since he uh, since he left the Jets. Now, this is our first rookie quarterback of the week. Davis Mills got the start for Houston, coming in for uh, Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> and as far as rookies this week went, it wasn't that bad. 19 of 28, 168 yards, one touchdown in the longest neck I've ever seen in my life. But not the biggest, as Cleve and I discussed yesterday uh, with my wife. We're looking at Takeo Spikes' neck, and that thing uh, is is massive. <laughs> this yeah. this Davis Mills dude looks like Mike Glennon ate Steve Grogan. It's insane. <laughs> I I gotta look this up now. I gotta look. Oh, yeah. this, I gotta look this guy up. So yeah, look, I have, look out oh. your window. You'll just see his head peeking around the corner. <laughs> wow. It's it's the uh, it's the up periscope neck. That's what it is. Uh, he's basically peeking around. But I have to ask you fellas something, a larger question. Looking at Sam Darnold through three games. Now, three games doesn't make a season, and I think that's a theme, too, for the rest of this analysis because there are some teams that look great, so not so great, and we'll see at the end. But has there been a head coach in NFL history that has had a worse impact on two players than Adam Gase had on Ryan Tannehill and Sam Darnold? Because if you look at the first three games after getting away from Adam Gase, there's something like a combined 5-1 and one and averaging basically the same stats. Is there a coach that comes to mind that maybe is, has had a more detrimental impact on a specific player than Adam Gase has? Not that I could think of off cuff, um, but I mean, we, the evidence is there. It's 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 in black and white. I mean, these guys went somewhere else and thrived. I, and I think actually last season I said that um, if we see this trend again, then it's more indictment on Gase just being clueless as a head coach as a head coach in this league. So I'm going to bring up later a situation where I think we could have another Adam Gase on our hands, but the quarterback was just so amazing that we never quite picked up on it. But I'll I'll mention that when uh when it comes up. Now I saw something amazing online. Uh, I don't know who to attribute it to, but apparently Adam Gase is from Marshall, Michigan, and <laughs> the year after he graduated high school and he was no longer on the high school football team, they won the state championship. Oh my god! No kidding. Yeah, like apparently this goes back quite a ways. So, but Dave, what about um, what about Bobby Ross? He kind of ran Barry Sanders out of town. Is that somewhat equivalent? Because the running back position is a little bit different. But that's a guy who was a franchise guy who just said, "I'm out" because this is so bad. Yeah, but he still ran for two thousand yards with Bobby Ross as the coach. True. So it's true. not like Bobby Ross made him. I mean, maybe he did. Maybe Barry ran for four thousand. We just will we'll never know. But uh, yeah, no, Barry could always could always perform. I think Gase is is unique in that he 
he doesn't get in the way. Like Peyton Manning threw for 55 touchdowns with him as the offensive coordinator, but that's because Peyton Manning was the offensive coordinator. Correct. But Gase yeah. couldn't. But Gase couldn't hold him back. However, Gase is fully capable of destroying players who aren't Peyton Manning, <laughs> and I think that's what we're finding here. Like Adam Gase is a net negative to anybody who isn't already a Hall of Famer, and he doesn't help Hall of Famers at all. No, wow. this is true. This is true analysis. This is not us trying to take a dump on the guy again, but the proof is in the pudding, the numbers. I mean, Sam Darnold looks like he should have looked coming where he came out in the draft. And I think that's what yeah. the Jets were hopeful for. And Cleve, did they pull the trigger too early? Um, I think so. But again, the, you know, going into year three of this guy's career, he obviously needed a, um, he probably needed a change of scenery. And for us, you know, it, it probably was the best move to let this guy go on because, you know, he, he didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve to get drafted to the Jets. He didn't deserve to have a coach literally waste two years of his NFL career, which could be six years, which could be seven years. And two years of that is gone. So, yeah, I mean, good luck for him. And um, we got what we deserved. We let a talent go and we got shit for it. So, didn't well, the Donald other thing... Didn't Darnold oh, start good. his career with a pick six against the Lions? Yeah. He did. Yes, yeah. that, is, that is correct. <laughs> um, and that so, the show wasn't even a thing back then. So can you imagine <laughs> if it was? The uh, I, <laughs> the thing to keep in mind, though, about this is that Sam Darnold was in the 2018 draft, which means that this offseason, the Jets would have had to make a decision on the fifth-year option for yes. him. Yes. And there's – I mean, could you imagine if they had picked up the fifth-year option on him and then drafted – who knows with the number two overall pick instead i mean mm -hmm. like clean would have been incensed like you know it's time to move on to another quarterback try again and all that they did they they can't pay darnold whether they nuke him 30 million a year yeah <laughs> seeing yeah. ghosts like that's not yeah yeah that's not, that's not good so yeah it was it was definitely time to uh to move on even if darnold does end up working out correct all right, the next game here, we have a battle between two quarterbacks that we don't have to wonder about, and I don't think Adam Gase can ruin. We have the Chargers 30 at the Chiefs 24, and Justin Herbert was the best QB in this game. 26 of 38, 281 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. I so mean, it's a good outing. Great that outing. Is, fantastic on the road in Arrowhead. Mike Williams is balling out of control right now. Uh, Adam Levitan made the point that he is playing the X role in the Mike Lombardi offense, which is the role that Mike Thomas plays in New Orleans. And like the opposite of Adam Gase, I'm wondering if Michael Thomas might not actually be that special, but this role is fantastic because Mike Williams is out here. He had seven catches, 122 yards, two touchdowns. He's like the wide receiver three on the year so far. <laughs> yeah. And then my last note, my last note on this game is that Tyreek Hill Five catches for 56 yards. So, like, maybe get Tyreek Hill the ball more, and mm -hmm. you might win. You know, a little dust ball theory here. Quick, quick question on the Chiefs. Second week in a row, I'm going to ask this, but, um, you know, Mahomes seems to be making some risky throws, turning the ball over. Not all his fault. I just want to say that. But is this because the Chiefs have been somewhat figured out and a lot of the teams are catching up to them? Um, or is this something to be worried about going forward for the season? Because they're one and two. It doesn't mean their season is over. But all of a sudden, they're in last place in this division, which is inexplicable given what we said about the Raiders. I I don't think I don't think they've been figured out per se. I think that they 
they only really have two tricks, though. They only have Kelsey and Tyreek, and then the Mahomes run around and throw it far and, and make a play sort of thing. They really don't have a lot of depth or other options on their team. To that point, they went out and signed Josh Gordon this week. Um, because I think they, I think they recognize that that they're they haven't been figured out. They just only have they're basically in Tecmo Super Bowl. They have like eight plays: two throw it deep to Tyreek, <laughs> two underneath to Kelsey, a couple runs and a Mahomes scramble, and and that's it. And so they need they need some other players, some other weapons in there to to do that. So that's what I think they're bringing in Josh Gordon. Do you think, um, given given what we saw to Matt's point? Do you think that their coaching, like they're going to rein this kid in a little bit now? Are we going to see a different Mahomes? Or they're going to let him just cook until he gets hot again? Uh, no, he just, you just let him, you just let him go. Like he, he's going to win like five Super Bowls probably. He's certainly going to go to eight. Like he just, you just let him do what it is he's, he's, he's going to do. There's no, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't want to be trying to change him. You might want to change, what's around him, change who he has to throw to, change who's blocking for him, something like that. But you just, right, you just, you just let him play the game. Okay. And Andy might say, maybe look when you pass. That's all we ask. That That's all I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, that would be, uh, that would be not, that would be a bad idea. Uh, last note here, I have that the Chargers scored a touchdown at the end of the game when it was tied at 24 rather than running out the clock and kicking a nice, easy chip shot field goal to, you know, score with no time left. And that was not the correct thing to do. And I was kind of mad at the coach for doing that, but it turns out that Justin Herbert audibled into a pass play when he was supposed to run to throw a touchdown. And it was a bad decision because it gave the Chiefs the ball back um, with some time on the clock to to try to either tie or or win the game. So Mm -hmm. definitely in that situation, I'm always for being aggressive. But when you have Mahomes on the other side, run the clock down, kick your field goal, walk off the field. (laughs) Yeah. The next game, we have the Cardinals 31 at the Jaguars at 19. And uh, the Cardinals were, as I noted here, they were pure ass in this game. They were just absolutely terrible. And this level of play would have only beat like the five worst teams in the league. And they got very lucky it came against Jacksonville. If they had played this way against the Rams, they'd lose by three touchdowns. So yeah. uh, the most amazing thing in this game, though, was the kick six. At the end of the first half, Matt Prater was asked to attempt a 68-yard field goal, which we know nobody can make a field goal longer than 65 yards, obviously. So I don't know why they even tried it. Um and so they kicked a 68-yarder, comes up short. Jamal Agnew, former Detroit Lion, runs it back 109 yards like he's playing for Auburn for a touchdown. <laughs> and that represented like 10% of all the points the Jags are going to score all season. So wh- where are we, Matt, with this urban watch on the whiteboard? Um, he still sucks. How's that? Um, <laughs> but here's, here's a ph- philosophical question. Last week we talked about always going for points when you can. But a field goal try of this length, given what the potential risk is on the other side, is this still advisable to do to try to get points here uh, in in having something like this happen? Because I guess it is uh, relatively, you know, it's not likely that this could happen, but it is a possible outcome. That was a pretty big swing that they were able to at least not succumb to. But Dave, if this is the end of the game, you take this shot. But at the half, is a 68-yard field goal a little bit too much of a risk? I don't think so. Not if not if Prater actually has it in his range. Even if it's 
So let's say that he only makes it 10% of the time, so it's worth 0.3 points. The kick six coming back the other way is worth seven. So it'd be worth 0.3 points. He'd have to be able to expect to return the kick one in 14 times. That's not right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. what, one in 100? I mean, mm-hmm. he had a break, a, a good tackle attempt at the 40. Like, he should have been tackled yep. on this return. So I think that just thinking about it mathematically, it's still plus EV to try to kick the field goal there. If you, if like, if Prater has no chance of making it, then obviously it's terrible, but Prater probably actually does make that 10% of the time. And so you should, you should go for it. Okay. That's fair. I just was curious if the, the strategy changes being at the end of the half instead of obviously at the end of the game, you have to go for it, but uh, that makes sense mathematically to me. Well, and we also don't know, like, the end of the half is just the way that it's playing out, but we don't know when those three points would be needed. So maybe it comes to the point at the end of the game, be like, man, really wish we had a field goal opportunity here, and you passed up on it at the end of the first half instead. So just take it when you can take it. Now going forward, maybe they don't try it for sixty-eight, but you know, I don't think I don't think it was a terrible thing if they like they've seen him in practice or whatever make it from sixty-eight. That's going to mm. kill Cliff Kingsbury because he loves to settle for some field goals. So to not kick a field goal <laughs> is just going to really kill him. Yeah, it was good from 64, though. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so it would have been it would have been a good field goal from pretty, pretty far away. Uh, in this game, Trevor Lawrence threw a, a terrible pick six on a flea flicker. Awesome. And it was, you know, having watched Trevor Lawrence all throughout his college and follow him closely in his uh, senior year in high school. I've never seen him make a decision this terrible. I think this is conjecture. I think he knows how terrible Urban Meyer is, and he's just trying to do anything he can to make something happen. Like, I think he's feeling so much pressure to have to try to do something because he knows the coach is a stone moron, but it, it, you just can't do it in the NFL. Like, he's not that much better than the players around him like he was at Clemson. No. Man, that flea flicker was bad. As soon as he rolled, I was like, he's going to throw this late. He threw it late. And I was like, well, that's getting picked. And it got picked. And he kind of looked at the throw like, really shouldn't have done that. And I was like, no, no, you should not have. Yeah, so it was it was rough for Trevor Lawrence. I think it's going to be a rough first year for Trevor Lawrence. And sort of like Burrow before he got hurt last year, we're going to be like, yeah, that's why he's the first overall pick. Yeah, he's making some good throws. And they lost by 30 points. Yep. Um, but here, Cleve, we got the next game for you here is the real rookie I think you want to talk about. We have the Bears 6 at the Browns 26. Cleveland had nine sacks in this game. Garrett had four and a half on his own. And on average, Justin Fields had 0.7 seconds to get a pass away in this game. That That led to Fields going 6 of 20 for 68 yards. I don't, so I don't, I, obviously rookie quarterback, and I know I take my liberties and shots at these guys on and off uh, our, our recordings, but in, in, in real world, I think the coach is a stone cold idiot and he should have been immediately fired right after that game because of what they, what they spent on that draft pick and the possible development of shell shocking his kid and giving them no no real chance of winning, he should not be a head coach of that team or in the NFL. He's a fucking idiot. So, Cleve, my first note is about the sacks. My second note I wrote down here, quote, Nagy must be fired immediately. 
Yeah, he the, the minute that the minute that game ended, and he's as he's walking with his key card to the fucking into the stadium, it's like, oh shit, I'm done. I'm done. I mean, in all seriousness, like you don't do that to anybody. Like he he set that kid up to even probably get hurt. That kid could have been killed. Yeah, I Crazy. mean, three, only three rushes for 12 yards as well. And this brings up a question I want to ask you guys: Is that you know we know Adam Gase made Ryan Tannehill bad, made Sam Darnold bad, and they're neither of them are bad. Darnold might be average. Tannehill is now provably good. Is it possible Matt Nagy? Is another Adam Gase in which Trubisky oh, yeah. is actually okay? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. So in this game, thirty-one dropbacks for Justin Fields, which I feel like was kind of a lot for a guy in this scenario against this defense on the road. But it is what it is. Um, Twenty-one of those dropbacks, I think they only dropped five for protection. So clearly the game plan wasn't one to protect Justin Fields, which is is not what you want in this particular stage. Like. Even if you know that you're going, I mean, especially if you know that you're going to start Andy Dalton after he comes back, like you put the kid in danger with that game plan, the way that it turned out, nobody in the league, even Tom Brady would have been able to do anything no. against that. No. Brady no. would have been sacked at least nine times, possibly more because he can't really move the way that Justin Fields can. And if this is the kind of game though, where the pundits and all the, the doubters are going to look and say, see, Justin Fields sucks. Another Ohio state quarterback that sucks. But you have to bring it back to the game plan, what was executed. And honestly, Matt Nagy didn't know what to do here. It's like you're going into a hostile environment. He didn't start fields in the game against the Rams because he didn't want him to face Aaron Donald. So he lets him get blitzed and get sacked nine <laughs> times against the Browns. I'm not sure how that's a different outcome for the team. And I just think it was criminal negligence on his part as a head coach. Whoever came up with this offensive scheme clearly didn't account for the fact or adjust in the game to think maybe we should drop more than five back to protect this guy because he's getting killed out there. They just let him get killed. And I don't understand it. And if I'm a Bears fan right now, I'm 100% calling for Matt Nagy's head. And he should be sitting in the same box that uh, Adam Gase is sitting in. The next former coach of the Detroit Lions. Absolutely. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, well, the Bears, the Bears get the Lions this week, so mm -hmm. which is funny because the Lions are like Matt Nagy if they were an entire team, and so it's like which fail is going to come through? Will Nagy fail so bad that the Lions sack up a bunch of times, or will the Lions fail so bad that Fields will look will will look good? But I think we're going to get a much better sense of Justin Fields against the Lions than we did against Michael Garrett's face mask. Dave, I know uh, you said the, I, know, I know you said the Texans were playing like a team that everybody said was crappy and they didn't like it. I think the Lions are that way too because they have played every team so far tough and don't sleep on the Lions to beat the Bears this week, especially if the protection oh, schemes yeah. look like that. And, oh, my God, if the Lions beat the Bears and that's their first win for Cleve, he's taking a victory lap on rookie quarterbacks oh, yeah. for the rest of the month. Yeah, if if uh, if they lose and they lose in the same fashion, Nagy's done on the spot. I don't, th I, I don't think he survives that that loss. What you you mean you mean if Lions defensive end who knows gets four and a half sacks? This is like yeah, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like yeah, if, yeah. yeah, if that happens, he's like he's done. Like they're gonna march him out to the fifty yard line and give him his paperwork. I'm like you know, go see go see Lucille in um in the front <laughs> office. We're done. He might not even get that luxury. They might just <laughs> ship him right out. The bouncer tosses him out on his face and says, "Get out." Yeah, yeah, I thought they might have run back on the team plane going back to Chicago. Like, no, you can pay your own way all the money you stole from us. 
could yeah. afford. But how is it that a guy gets this asset? He knows that his ass is on the line this season, and he's still messing it up. To me, that is proof that even with his job on the line, he doesn't know what he's doing enough to keep his job. They have to move on, and it's just it's insane. I've never seen a situation like Adam Gase just looked like he didn't know what he was doing, period. But I don't know. Like, you know your job's on the line. You move up and make a good move to take Justin Fields, right? Like, Dave, you lamented about the fact the Lions didn't take him. And so what do you do? Well, let's get let's let him get sacked nine times. Maybe he'll get hurt, and then, you know, I'll get fired anyway. I don't, un- I don't understand the logic whatsoever. Yeah, last thing I want to say on this game, I just want to acknowledge the Browns <laughs> uh, for, you know, whooping their ass and uh, winning 26-6. to six. Nothing too exciting here. Chubb, like, 80 yards and Hunt, 80 yards. OBJ, first game back, 5 for 77, though. So that was so that was nice to see. And the Browns are now the type of team that just murder bad teams, which is a great step forward from them over the last couple of years. Absolutely. The the, uh, the next game here, we have the hometown team for us, the Washington football team, 21, at the Bills, 43. And I believe <laughs> last week... I said that we couldn't really judge Josh Allen yet and how he's doing this year because he had a couple like couple weird sort of games. Just wait to see how he does against Washington, a legitimate defense, and a game <laughs> he's going to have to pass. And he went 32 of 43 for 358 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. So is that on? Is that is that a, is that relative to him or how bad that defense looks? Because that was full fool's goal for us. We we all thought, well, at least I thought. Washington would have a great defense this year, given what they showed us. But yeah. they can't. They couldn't stop a, 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 a sneeze with a napkin in front of it. Dude. Worst case scenario, this defense is average. Worst case scenario, they're an average defense. So to be taken apart like that, he didn't get sacked one time. Yeah, there was no. <laughs> yeah, there was no pressure. <laughs> right, like uh, this. The the Bills are legit. Uh, that weird first game against Pittsburgh that they lost is like, it's like how the Saints beat the Bucks thirty-eight to three the first in the first week last year. Like we're gonna look back on that and be like, what in the hell happened there? <laughs> the Bills are the Bills are who we thought they were. Shout out Denny Green, RIP. Um, and the thing is, Stephon Diggs in this game six for sixty-two. That's yeah. it. Sixty-two yeah. yards. He two for three fifty-eight. That means that Cole Beasley's crazy ass and. Emmanuel Sanders, who's like 45 years old, and Gabriel Davis and all these other people out here catching passes, making plays too, even when their dust balls are dust balls. I mean, the Bills mm. are legitimately good. Yeah, and the football team's defense, man, like you said, we gave them the rub at the beginning of the season because we said top three, uh, they're giving up 31 points a game. Like, yeah. that is, that's not bend, don't break. That's bend and break <laughs> and just snap it right off. Yeah, yeah they... If it, if their defense is actually this poor, Dallas could conceivably sweep this division. Oh yeah, and actually oh, finish yeah. like thirteen and four of the season. Yeah, if, if there's like <laughs> if like they don't even have to struggle to be Washington because if Washington can't play defense, they can't keep up with Dallas on offense. So right. like, yeah, Washington. This this is bad for the football team but it's just as good for the cowboys if this is what washington truly is i don't think it is i think this says a lot more about the bills and how good they are on offense and what they're able to do to good defensive teams Mm. well uh 
Washington's going to get a uh, a confidence game coming up next week, hopefully. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't think they're going to struggle uh, too much in the uh, in the next week here. So the next game here, we have the Maddie Ice Bowl. We have the Colts 16 at the Titans 25. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't see a single play of this game. Unfortunately, I, I, didn't. I did. So because I wasn't able to watch much red zone because all the family was in for the weekend. But I went back and I watched like the all 22s of some of the games or some of the highlight clips of some of the games. I I couldn't even bring myself to watch this game. So here's what I know. I know that AJ Brown is week to week with a hamstring injury. Um, and I know that the only redeeming quality about this entire sucky division is when Derrick Henry stiff arms somebody into the sun. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's it. It doesn't matter what happens in this division. The winner of this division will go on the road and play either the Chiefs or the Bills in the first round of the playoffs and lose by 90 points. <laughs> Colts are 0-3. We predicted something like this because the schedule is just too difficult to overcome. Uh, Wentz going out there and playing with two bum ankles. I got to give him credit for that, right? Yeah. A little, little Show bit some toughness balls. there. But you know what this told me, Dave? That the Colts and Titans are the best option that this division has. And oh boy, does it suck. Like, man, I mean, unwatchable garbage, 25 to 16, like none of it's aesthetically pleasing and it doesn't have to be. I understand that it's not they're not playing for my personal entertainment, but Jesus, like every time Red Zone showed it, I was like, Ugh, I would walk out of the room. It's just so it's hot garbage. If the Jaguars had hired Brandon Staley, the Chargers new coach, the Jaguars could win this division this year. And I think you wow. bet that early in the season, and boy, that that that's oh, that's disappointing. Well, you can see the opportunity. Like you can see why oh, I you thought, could. oh, the door is open for the Jags to really make a leap here in this crappy division, but they somehow still have the worst coach in the, yeah. in the entire division. But yeah, I I I am one hundred percent with you now, Matt. This division is useless. I want them to lose every game they play outside the division. I want them all to tie when they play themselves. And honestly, I, I want Houston to win it. They're not going to, but I want Tyrod to come back and lead them to a division title. That's what I'd like to see. <laughs> that would be lovely, but I just, I don't know. Like Again, it's not my kind of football. It's not my brand of football. And I think the reason being is because I know that neither of these teams is a contender in any fashion compared to the best of the best in this league. So even if they win their division, who cares? They can't even get in the playoffs and like, knock out a good team and make it weird like they're just going to get murdered by kansas city or buffalo because they're only there's only one first round by so you like yep. kansas city or buffalo will probably have it at this point looking like buffalo but one or the other will have it and then that'll be that you know exactly what that means though one of these two teams is making the afc championship game it's gonna happen now <laughs> it's houston <laughs> that would be amazing with davis mills <laughs> oh my god I checked the neck out, by the way. Like the picture is kind of hilarious because you see like, the uniform collar, but you yeah. barely see it because his neck is so. That's insane. Good for him. Good, good. <laughs> like he had a choice. Like good for him. Davis Mills can see the AFC title game from his vantage point right now. <laughs> That's how he knows he's going to make it. See that defense, man. So let's get away from the AFC South. I'm done. And well, it's your turn, Matt. We have the Saints 28 at the Patriots 13. And my first note here is Matt, question mark. <laughs> I mean, 
I'm you fine. Good? There's there, yeah, I'm fine. I mean, there's a few <laughs> things I took away from the game. Uh, I think we are on point with the fact that the Patriots lack any sort of weaponry. Uh, Mac Jones, I think, is 31st in the league in downfield accuracy. I think he's at like 29%. Obviously, through three picks in this game, if you break it down, one of them hit John o. Smith in the hands, popped up. That's unfortunate. Uh, Jameis Winston threw a completely on-brand Jameis Winston pass at, in the end zone where he couldn't see anybody falling over, getting tackled, and it got caught. It's not on Mac Jones. But, hey, Mac Jones is going to have games like this. The Patriots, we know, could have had a 10-win ceiling or the bottom could fall out. Um, you know, Mac Jones has some work to do. Belichick has some work to do, and it is what it is. I mean, the, they're they're not talented the way that they used to be, and it's a rookie quarterback. It's asking a lot for him to just come in and gunsling. And I think all these rookie quarterbacks are in a very similar position. There's a lot on their plate that most rookies don't generally have to deal with, and this is a tough schedule for this team. The Saints, you know, Jameis played well enough. They couldn't stop Alvin Kamara, so if you're <laughs> that's their only weapon. So if you're not going to stop him, you have no chance, absolutely no chance. And it wasn't even as close as the score indicated. Like, they were never really in the game. Please, um, who led the Patriots in rushing? Who led them? Well, I know, I know that one of their guys got hurt. He's out for... Yeah, James uh, White. Yeah, yeah James he's White's out for, for the season. season. The the player that led the that led the Pats in rushing this week had 28 yards. Ooh. And it was Mac Jones. Wow. Yeah. I mean... Tough sledding ahead, and again, you know, I, you know, I take my shot at these rookies, you know, but but in real talk, tough when you're out there to do this. Um, obviously, you know, it's 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 new to you, but um, the game which we'll talk about later coming up, he he's gonna be, he's gonna have another rough outing. But <laughs> honestly, just in general, when you can't protect rookie or not rookie, it's going to be a bad formula. So yes. Max Jones is under duress yeah. the whole game. One of the interceptions yeah. he threw, he got hit as he was throwing. It, it's happened to literally every quarterback in the history of the NFL at some point. It gets popped mm -hmm. up in the air. It's an interception. It's a turnover regardless. But Mac Jones is... Uh, one of the things I took away, though, is that he didn't look scared of the pressure. It just was. You know, he kind of played with it and did what he could. But there's games where you just they're not, you're not protecting, and this this was one of those scenarios. There's not much he could have done. Uh, I think I mean, look at Fields. Fields is immensely more talented than Mac Jones in terms of overall athleticism, and with that game plan, there was no chance. So I think Mac Jones right. is in the same boat with this. And you know, we got a, obviously the game with Brady coming up this week, and um, you know, Mac Jones, I think. It's just got to do the same thing. They're going to get killed, but, you know, it is what it is. Like, everybody in New England can freak out, but it it is it's it is what it is. Like, this is cyclical turnover in the NFL that happens. No franchise gets 20 years of fucking dominance. It just doesn't happen that way. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about Can we talk about how the Saints alternate being the 85 Bears and the 2021 Bears? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they are all over the place week to week. If they yeah, we, together, we don't know that team. Weeks in the playoffs, they could win the whole thing. But if they like did it, they could pick fourth. It's the weirdest thing. It really is. And like Jameis, again, it's like it's the weirdest thing. I feel like this team is hanging on by a thread and they are going to be as good as however, whatever defense shows up. If it's the 85 Bears, they're going to win. And if it's like the 2017 Browns, they're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I completely agree. OK, so. We'll, we'll talk more about the Pats next week, I'm sure, after uh, Brady lights them up. The uh, the next game we have here, we have the Falcons 17 at the Giants 14. 
So I just have a couple notes on this game. The first one being that Atlanta won on a walk-off field goal, which is the second week in a row for the Giants. So good mm. job, good job, fellas. Joe Judge punted on fourth and three from the Atlanta 39-yard line. So he is he's a donk. He's never gonna get better. Like this isn't going anywhere. He should just be fired immediately, immediately as well. Um and then Jason Garrett, since taking over, this is from Marcus Mosher on Twitter, since taking over as offensive coordinator for the Giants, the Giants are 32nd in yards to go on third down, 31st in points per game, 31st in explosive pass plays, 30th in points uh, per drive, and 28th in yards per play. I mean, just say that they're they're at the bottom, the bottom of everything. But they're number one yeah. in offensive coordinators who clap after every play. <laughs> this this resume though has is what I was referring to earlier about like how Peyton Manning overcame Adam Gase and what that. Yeah. How great actually is Tony Romo? That's a good that's a great question. This. Yeah, that's a great for, yeah. For eight years. I mean the Cowboys were never 32nd in yards to go on third down with Romo. No. They were never like no. a top ten offense, like between yeah. five and twelve. Yeah. And Garrett is terrible. Like, is it possible Tony Romo is actually not just really good, but he's actually a great quarterback who had a who was hamstrung by an Adam Gase style coach? Jason Garrett to me is such an interesting study as a coach in the NFL because if you look at his resume, he was what, coach of the Cowboys for ten years, something like that? Ten years. And Marvin Lewis was coach of the Bengals for, what, 14. But the differences between those two franchises is the Dallas Cowboys are a brand which has success behind it. The Bengals, Marvin Lewis did things with them that they hadn't really seen in a very long time in that franchise. So he kept getting rewarded, even though it was not the best resume, but kept getting rewarded. And Jason Garrett got that in Dallas, which to me makes zero sense because he accomplished nothing. It's not as if they got to a Super Bowl with him. They got to the heights that they were looking for. The Bengals hadn't made the playoffs in like forever, and they at least got there with Marvin Lewis. Now, they didn't win any playoff games, but I think you understand the, the sentiment behind what I'm saying. So Jason Garrett gets to coach the Dallas Cowboys of all franchises for 10 years, get nothing out of it. And then he becomes the offensive coordinator, and we see that he should never have been the head coach for that long to begin with. And now they have Daniel Jones, who I honestly think Daniel Jones has a little bit more talent than what we're seeing. And you could say what you want about where they picked him and how he's a bad player. But very clearly, Jason Garrett's offensive plan is doing no favors for Daniel Jones. No favors. I mean, Kenny Galladay is a great receiver, and he's completely a non-factor a non-factor, and he's yelling at Jason Garrett. And what does Jason Garrett do? Asked to be called coach in press conferences and claps at his fucking team every time they do something. <laughs> and none of it, none of it is warranted. And I'm not, I'm not ranting on the guy, but like we, the three of us would never be allowed to be in a position of any prominence with that kind of, with those results or lack of results in any position in our lives. And he got to be the Dallas Cowboys head coach for a fucking decade. Wow. So I took my father-in-law, my stepmother-in-law to the African-American History Museum here in D.C. yesterday. And in the sports section, they have a, one dedicated to football and they have a video that plays on loop with various highlights of various players and like Michael Wilbon and Michael Smith talking about stuff and Jamel Hill. And one of the highlights that's played is Reggie White just destroying Jason Garrett. 
Like, so Jason Garrett lives, he's immortal in the African-American History Museum as getting obliterated by Reggie White literally like every five minutes on loop in this highlight reel. And I saw it and I actually smiled and I was happy for my Giants fan friends just to know that like Jason Garrett <laughs> used to be in pain because of Reggie White because they're in pain now because of him. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and to your point, Dave, Tony Romo, I think, was actually a great quarterback. Came on late in his career, undrafted. The whole story is great. But it does make you wonder if he had played with a more competent head coach who at least gave him results. I mean, they went, they had a couple seasons where they really probably should have made a Super Bowl, right? The Dez catch year, you know, comes to mind. Um, and it just never happened. And, and that has to be on the head coach. And I know Romo was an injury liability, but... I think we're seeing now, once we get further and further away from these these coaches' stints, that they were not worthy of those positions whatsoever. Like, Matt no. Nagy should never coach in this league again at that level, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not without, like, Training you know, he's got, he's got, like, the Todd Bowles thing where he has to go and have, like, a top three offense as an offensive coordinator somewhere for a couple of years, develop a quarterback as a coordinator, and then maybe he gets a try again. Maybe. But... Yeah. Man, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, also, so last thing on this game, the Falcons did win the game. They were terrible, too. This is just two awful teams, and somebody had to win, and the Falcons <laughs> happened to win. So congratulations, Atlanta, I guess. That's really sad for Atlanta because they got some talented receivers that are being completely wasted. Yes. Well, that's because their quarterback is old and washed and can't throw the ball down the field anymore. Speaking of, we have the Bengals 24 at the Steelers 10. Oh, and I'm 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 just gonna say it. The Cincinnati Bengals are are the better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're just I would agree. better. Yeah. yeah, we're not gonna argue that. I gonna mean, argue that. You know, this game is in Pittsburgh. It didn't even look close, and the Bengals even had T. Higgins in this game, and it didn't it didn't even look that close at all. After the game, Tyler Boyd, Bengals wide receiver said that the Steelers gave up, which the Steelers are trying to push back against. But watching this game, oh, yeah. I, mean, I watched every snap of this oh, game. Yeah. They, they didn't like quit and walk out, but the effort wasn't there. The they effort, knew yeah. They were deflated. Yeah. They were deflated. Absolutely. Is any of this an indictment on Mike Tomlin? Or do you think this is just that this team is old, this team is tired, and Ben Roethlisberger is just not the answer? They should have got rid of him last year. They should have got him in because last year he looked oh, yes. like we shit. We agree with this. You know, yeah, I mean, like, we said this in the preview that yeah. I, we all three of us co-signed that they weren't going to make the playoffs, and I said they were going to be bad. I think Dave and I agreed on that, that they were going to be possibly last place, if not close. And right now, they, they should be 0-3. They should never have beaten the Bills. That was a complete outlier, and good Lord, they looked awful. And Big Ben, he looks like a 39-year-old quarterback with an injury history. Yeah. That's what he and looks like. And here's the thing about the Big Ben thing that's that's kind of intriguing. Like he, when they drafted Mason, like he was like, I'm not going to coach the guy up. I'm not going to talk to him and all this shit. Like now, you're basically washed. In in, in the words of Dave, you're basically washed. But then you're not going to help develop the next guy behind you because the talent level is obviously not there. Because I think it's Mason, and then it's uh, just uh, Haskins. No, it's Haskins. It's Haskins, and then Rudolph. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, he looked like shit last year and you're, you know, we might see Mike Tomlin, might, he might get fired. I've you never, know, I've never thought Mike Tomlin was that great of a coach in the first place to your question, Matt. Um, 
I think it's very hard to judge coaches that have Hall of Fame quarterbacks and strong defenses for the majority of their time. I mean, mm. I, you know, I really think only like the Adam Gases and Matt Patricias could screw up in that situation, right? The Matt Nagy's. Like, I think if you take an average coach, you give them a Hall of Fame quarterback, a solid running game, and a strong defense, they're going to win. I mean, Mike McCarthy, right? You give Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers, and Charles Woodson, and he wins a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, you know, I don't think Mike Tomlin is that much better than Mike than Mike McCarthy as a as a NFL coach. So riddle me this, Dave. If they if they fired him tomorrow, you don't think that ten teams would say, "Hey, let's, let's make a run at this guy." I think. I mean, I'm, I'm using I'm using ten, but obviously not ten teams because the league, you know we just started football three weeks yeah, in now. Every every team that that has an opening would want to hire him but only a team that already has an established quarterback should hire him right well, you shouldn't wouldn't, have wouldn't but, that be his wouldn't that be his caveat as well as says, hey you know what i'll come there if you got a guy already set up to win he might not recognize this shortcoming right he might think Roethlisberger is great because of him he might think that defense is great because of him he might think Trey Palomalu is in the hall because of him yeah <laughs> i think it's the other way around yeah interesting i never quite thought about that with tomlin i never got a sense that he had the ego that he would think it was all because of him but i guess there could be that um i mean he went eight and eight with mason rudolph and duck hodges so Talk. maybe he's uh, who know, you yeah. know what i mean like who knows but yeah he's not he's not a terrible coach he's just not a great coach so question when do they pull the trigger and put haskins in to see what they got they have to right yeah i think i think from what we saw it, we're, 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 if we're not at this point, we'll be there in a week. We'll be there by Sunday. If, if, if he goes out and stinks it up, those three picks, then you got to say, okay, what do we, what do we have in this, in this kid? Or what can, what else can we do? Because they're, they're kind of handcuffed to big men. You talk, he might've wanted to leave last year and says, you know what? You know, maybe I'm out because they, last year was the epic collapse year, right? When they, they won like yeah. 10 or 12. Yeah. And then they just took a nosedive. Yeah. I think that he's on a currency of like, hey, we had a, I had a great year last year. But every NFL player always talks about this. Like they know when they're done. When you can't make those passes and, and their picks, you're done. And we're not going to, the three of us know that he's a Hall of Famer. First ballot, probably. You know, he, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, well, I don't think a guy who allegedly raped a woman in a bathroom is going to know when he's done. So I think oh, he thinks he's just man. fine. Twice. Allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, oh, man. Once I was twice. I, I wasn't, wasn't going to go. I wasn't going to go there, but Jesus. Here I did. Go. <laughs> so I don't know how to, how to transition to this. So I'm just going to power through. Um, Najee Harris. So oh. we know Najee Harris. He's a running back. Yeah. Now, if I were to tell you that Najee had 14 for 102, what would you think? 14 for 102? Yeah. I don't think that. I don't think that happened. What if I told you it was receptions? <laughs> he wait a minute, He was a leading receiver. He had 14 Man. catches for 102 <laughs> yards on 19 targets because he, Roethlisberger is so washed, he could not throw <laughs> the ball down the field. Yeah. So, it, Najee yeah. Harris, Ooh. 14 catches. That's the yeah, that's Harmon. For, yeah, I had to spot start him in fantasy. I had to spot start him in fantasy this week because of all the injuries, and that ended up working out great. I got the win. Hope, hope it was PPR. It was. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's they the must... last note on this game for, uh, for the Bengals. Me. Actually, two notes. Cleve, uh, you said that in my words, Roethlisberger is washed. 
Yeah. No, here, quote, Roethlisberger is the definition of washed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're right there. And then Jamar Chase in the preseason dropped two passes and everybody freaked out and thought he was a bust and wouldn't take him in fantasy. In this game, four catches, 65 yards, two touchdowns. I'm so, convinced he was so trolling big. us the whole time. I'm convinced of that, that he was trolling <laughs> the league the whole time. I can't see because of the white lines and he's like, oh, yeah? Well, no, actually, I can. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to the next game. My goodness. Okay. The Ravens 19 at the Lions 17. Um, So here's the thing. I was watching this game with my father-in-law, soon to be father-in-law. It's been 15 years, father-in-law. And we're watching on Red Zone here. And Justin Tucker comes out to get a 66-yarder. And I say, Tucker could make this. But he's not going to make this. And Kenji, my father-in-law, he says, it's the Lions. It's (laughs) 50-50. And you know what? That is exactly right. The impossible becomes 50-50 when it can lead to a Lions loss because anything is possible when the Lions can lose. And so we have to go back in this game, though. We have to go back in this game. Just on this game-winning drive, first, Justin Tucker hits a 66-yarder that bounces off the crossbar and in to win the game, which is fucking absurd. But before <laughs> that, the only reason they're positioned to do that is that the Ravens convert a fourth and 19. Yeah, dude, that's... Because that's where the Lions lost the <sighs> game. If Tucker's going to make a 66-yarder, I mean, congratulations, good job. There ain't shit anybody can do about that. That's just that. Fourth and nineteen. Yeah, fourth that, and nineteen. You know what? I, 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 I sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I keep going here. I yeah. understand that it sounds ridiculous when I say things like I can do better, but, but damn it, the three of us and our <laughs> wives and fiancés could have been playing nine defense and not giving them a fourth and nineteen. Fourth and nineteen. Oh. You're like forty-five yards. I'm fourth and nineteen. That should have been a seven. Keep everybody in front of you. Short that catch, a, tackle. Yeah, that's, that should have been a 71-yarder, which no one would have even attempted. Um, And you, you guys, so Matt and I joked about this offline this morning. That could have happened to you guys in a Super Bowl. Like, in a Super Bowl, like, that could have happened to you guys. Because it can't I happen think- to us in a Super Bowl because that would involve <laughs> the Lions making a Super Bowl, which is impossibility. <laughs> I will travel faster than the speed of light before these assholes make a Super Bowl. Fourth and 19, you know how far away they are? I will establish a colony on Mars naked before the Lions make a goddamn Super Bowl. This is ridiculous. And you're right, Clee. They should have called the delay a game to make it a 71 yes. yarder. Yeah, but no, when you're yeah. wrong. He said he would have made it anyways because it's yeah. the Lions. It's 50 yeah. 50. He still would have made it from 71. Snake bite. Snake there's, bite shit. There's only one play in NFL history that comes to mind that is more egregious than what the Lions gave up. And that was that fourth and 25 that the Packers gave up against McNabb and the Eagles in the playoffs. <laughs> I think it was, was it in an NFC championship game, yes. perhaps? Yes. And the stakes are obviously a lot higher there. So that's why you can't do that. But uh, you're right, Dave. Fourth and 19. Like you. That's inexcusable. It's it's inexcusable no matter what team, no matter what franchise. And you're right. It's a 66-yarder. You know what? Uh, hats off because what, what can you do about that? Especially when it hits the crossbar and bounces perfectly straight up and back into the net like I intended to do that. It was incredible. But it was all the stuff leading up to it. And damn it, I have to say, I was rooting for the Lions. They're plucky. They're with every team. They're playing so much more tough than I think we all gave them credit for. But Cleve... 
you're in trouble, big guy. <laughs> yeah, it's not looking too good. It looks like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start scheduling Dave any 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 moment now for his sessions because it's <laughs> it's looking really fucked up for me. You guys remember when Ray Rice did that converted on a fourth and like forever back in like 2012 for the Ravens? <laughs> It was something like that. It, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. It was 2012. He, he, it was fourth and forever, and the guy like he, they, they handed it off to Ray Rice. Yeah. By the way, Cleve, to put it into perspective for you, you might think seven wins is a long season to go. They have to go 500 from here on out. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I, I wasn't kidding. I, I'm queuing the guy up for a few sessions. Let's <laughs> so get out now. I have a couple more notes on this game. One on the Ravens. One on the Lions. The one on the Ravens. This game actually wasn't that close. Um, Hollywood Brown dropped two short touchdowns, one from 20 yards and one from 40 yards. And he dropped another 50 yard pass where online they like did the graphic to show what would have happened. In like most cases, he gets pushed out like the three yard line. So it's first and goal from the three with Lamar Jackson. But sometimes mm. he scores. So just because it's the Lions, it's 50 50, he would have scored. So he dropped touchdown passes of 20, 40, and 50 yards in the first half. This game actually wasn't that close. And if you're looking at yeah. Lamar's stat line, we'll give him another 110 yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> right? Yeah. I I shared a I shared a stat with 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 um Matt and his wife uh last week. In Larry Fitzgerald's 16 year career, five drops. I might be I might be off by one. Five or six drops in a 16 year career. You get guys dropping dimes <laughs> or potential dimes in a game touchdowns yeah touchdowns. <laughs> like, drops are created equally this dude dropped three <laughs> touchdowns on DraftKings, somebody calculated it so on DraftKings, if a player gets like 20 points in a game it's it's really good right yeah he dropped 38.5 points Oof. on those three plays if you get a touch it on the third one man yeah, just absurd. And the last note on this game before we move on and Cleveland start screaming. Um, TJ Hawkinson had two catches for 10 yards in this game. And this is just a thought for the coaching staff. You <laughs> might want to throw the ball to your best player more than twice. You fucking morons. Honestly, fire everybody. Like if I'm the if I'm the owner, I'm already firing everybody. I never would have hired them, <laughs> but I'm already firing everybody. It, it was a close game, thanks to Marquise Brown. Throw the ball to TJ Hawkinson. He was the eighth overall pick in the draft, which is a disaster. But if you're going to make the disaster, throw him the football. Yeah. Khalif Raymond had six catches. I just, I just kind of wonder in the, um, in the, the peek behind the curtain when we see guys like game planning fight the next opponent. Like, how do they divvy up? Like as we talked about last year, the, the target share. You know, given given the, the, like the matchups to say, hey, you know what? This game, look for 10 targets. I'll look for eight targets possibly for you versus, like you said, two targets in a entire football game? It's like insane. The, like if the Lions are trying to win, PJ Hawkinson needs a minimum 12 targets every single game. He's the best <laughs> pass catcher on the team. Yeah, this isn't yeah. this isn't hard hard to figure out. But anyways, I'm about to have an aneurysm in here, so I'm going to pass <laughs> this baton to the next game. Jets zero at the Broncos twenty six. Now the good news the good news, Cleve, is that Zachy only threw two picks in this game. The bad news is that after the game, he said, and I quote, "I'm genuinely scared for my life out there." 
Yeah, I, I saw that, and that was on Jets, one of the Jets uh, pages that, that I that I frequent. Um, so you know, again, I take these shots at the rookies. You, I mean, you know, you guys always try to talk me off the ledge, and I don't think, and I, and I said this before, without a veteran quarterback presence on that team or veteran everything, you have a situation where I'm pretty sure it probably happened a hundred times in the NFL. You have a rookie general manager, rookie, I'm sorry, um, rookie uh, head coach, rookie quarterback, mm-hmm. some some rookie coordinator. It's it's literally like you're going to ruin this kid before this kid can get started. Because yes. he he honestly, and I wish this on no one in the NFL, like he, he could put, potentially be hurt by week five. If he takes these hits, he keeps taking these type of hits, he's not going to make it these, the entire season. 17 weeks? No fucking way. No yeah. way. Yeah, like Josh McCown needs to be the backup here. Yeah. Is, is Josh in the league or just fucking around? No, I don't know if he's in the league or not. <laughs> he needs to be the backup. You know what I mean? Yeah, journeyman guy. Just, oh, oh, just the yeah, journeyman. Exactly. Somebody who can just come in and, like, <laughs> yeah, help out a little bit. Because I don't know who the backup is right now. Hey, Jets Nation, go get Testa Verde. I'm pretty sure he's cutting up a turducken right now that you could get him off the couch for next week. Fuck. Come on. Get, get going here. Pennington. Vic fucking Fangio, folks. This guy, I'm telling you. Um, Are the Broncos the one team in the league that has had the best starting schedule ever? Oh, I mean, my lord. Their their opponents are combined to 0-9. I would say so. Good lord. I mean, so here's an analogy that I heard about the, the rookie quarterbacks, but specifically Zach Wilson in general, since we talked about the cookout last week that I'm, you know, marginally invited to. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about like a paper plate. Like when you go there and you think about those like flimsy ass white plates, not like one of the sturdy yeah. ones. And when you have those, you have to be careful about what you put on it, right? Because the structural integrity isn't there. So if you overload the plate, obviously you're, you're shit out of luck. I feel like with a brand new head coach, a brand new quarterback, they're just putting a little bit too much on his plate and they're not protecting him. So... Like they're he's kind of like, you know, out of well, it's a lot. Plus, Zach Wilson is not used to people being this talented around him. Like he's yeah. used to being the guy every field that he steps on. It's not the case anymore. You got it. So there was a comment made by this guy. Two comments that I'm really like perplexed by. I don't, I don't know if either if you guys caught either of these comments this week. He said that they're not we're not executing on Sundays, but on Wednesdays we look fucking fantastic. Yeah, so cares? I guess we should switch the NFL games to Wednesday <laughs> when they look good because they obviously don't pack the game plan or the personnel or the talent to, to compete on fucking Sunday. Then he said, uh, the if you look at the entire All-22, that they did some really good things. I'm like, where? Because I don't see that. You guys didn't see that. The fact that a, a NFL team was trotted out and had zero points, not even a fucking field goal. Not even a fucking field goal or a pick six or some type of defensive play to say, hey, we got on the board here. Um, This guy might be fired by the end of the season. And it may be unfair, but it just shows you that you, you kind of got, you kind of can't elevate guys that have really done nothing yet. And um, it's not looking good for this kid, which is uh, Zachy boy. So it's funny you mentioned the uh, people being good on Wednesdays. The bad news <laughs> is that this applies directly to the mid-90s Lions. We had a, we had a defensive first-round defensive tackle named Luther Ellis, 
and oh, yeah. the staff always said, "Oh, Luther's an all pro in practice," and we said he was playing late <laughs> Sunday. So we had season tickets. I'm like 12 years old. Luther blows an assignment. Somebody runs for a long way down the field, and my dad shout stands up and shouts, "Hey, Luther! Pretend it's fucking Wednesday and make a play." <laughs> It's great. It's so great. feel free to go ahead and copy that uh, to pretend it's Wednesday and, and make a play or at least score some points. I mean, 26 to nothing is embarrassing. Yeah, come on. Yeah, a, a professional football team, professional athletes, at least get on the board to say, well, you got three points. Come on, man. Seriously. And then Insane. Uh, a couple notes for the Broncos here. KJ Hamler. Shout out to Orchard Lake St. Mary's in Michigan. KJ Hamler tore his ACL. He is out for the season. Mm. Javante Williams had three catches for 33 yards in the passing game at the running back position for the Broncos. He is taking over for Melvin Gordon. Again, it's going to take a couple more weeks, but by the end of the year, Javante Williams is going to be the man there. Melvin Gordon will be an afterthought. And as I already mentioned, Denver's opponents are combined 0-9, so I don't think we can say too much about the Broncos quite yet. Yeah, don't think so either. But boy, I mean, I swear to God, if they fire Robert Sala in the middle of the season and they let Adam Gase get not one but two full seasons, I'm gonna yeah, no, no, that yeah, that's gonna look really fucking bad. That's gonna look bad. It's gotta <laughs> be a no, to somebody official letterhead to the season ticket holder, or something to explain that <laughs> rationale. No, Salah's not going anywhere. He's I actually think he's gonna be a pretty good a a, a pretty good coach. He's got. He, you know, he has all the things that you're looking for in a coaching prospect experience and in the whole the whole bit. Like I, you know, this not this not like the Jets were good last year and then he's coming in and they're terrible. They look awful. They still look better than they did last year. I just think that they really, you know, and we, and we can move off of this. I just think that, and this is just, this applies to any NFL team or should is having a veteran presence presence uh, at some positions, uh, especially at quarterback especially as quarterback, because even if a, a guy's washed and can't play anymore, he, the knowledge is still there of, of, of teaching a guy how to read it, how to get rid of the ball, stuff like that. Because going back to Justin, he held the ball a little bit too long on some of those sacks, some of those plays. But again, uh, to your guy's point, the, the protection was not even dialed up for him. Like He's like, fuck, like, these guys are in your lap. As soon as you say snap, the guys are in your lap. So yeah, I, I just think that, um, you know, when you when you got this type of scenario, you need someone else to be able to step in because this kid's not going to survive 17 weeks of this type of play. It's not going to happen. So Cleve says NFL teams need a washed quarterback. No, I didn't roster. say that. No, 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 no. Veteran no, no. presence. I didn't say washed quarterback. He I said, said at, he- at least at quarterback, having a veteran presence. Don't don't do that, Dave. Don't, please don't do that. <laughs> Excuse me. You're stepping on my setup. He says NFL teams need a washed quarterback on the roster. Note to the Steelers, you're not supposed to actually play them. (laughs) All right, moving on. Uh, Dolphins 28 at the Raiders 31. This game went to overtime. Uh, And I have to say what I noticed from this game, which I did have to watch. I only saw the end live. I don't watch the whole game and go back on a rewatch. Despite the win, the Raiders felt kind of exposed in this game. Oh, yeah. Not kind of. They got exposed. They got exposed. Well, feel free. Please elaborate. So it's, it's, it's a backup quarterback coming in, Jacoby Brissett. Right, who played horrible up until the last quarter? Uh, unless you guys didn't saw something that I that I didn't see. 
played horrible. Up, I mean, he just found his balls. His balls just dropped at some point. And uh, towards the end, I think I think Matt says this all the time, all the time about it's how you finish and that you that you can't finish a game. They're in trouble against a real opponent because a wounded team, which without their starting quarterback, and they and that team got blanked a week ago, right? Put up that kind of fight against you. That's insane. Jacoby Brissett completed 32 passes in this game and didn't throw a touchdown. And the Raiders still had to hang on in overtime <laughs> to win the game. Yeah, that Man. says a lot, Dave. <laughs> that uh, says not a only lot. did you know Jacoby Brissett, though, he did complete a safety because the Dolphins threw a tunnel screen in the end zone. <laughs> and of course, the Raiders blew it up and had a tap. So they completed a pass that resulted in a safety, which I'm not sure I've ever seen. I, I don't think I've ever seen that either, ever. I've never even heard of that. I would assume that we would have seen another Jim Marshall pick up the fumble and run the wrong way <laughs> for a safety, which kids, go ahead and YouTube that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, Cle- Cleve, was, Cleve was already a grandparent by then, but for the younger people, uh, YouTube, YouTube that. Um, yeah, no, they the Dolphins did not look good. I mean, Jalen Waddle had 12 catches in this game. Now, Cleve, Jalen Waddle is like a downfield threat, one of the Alabama kids, right? He yeah. had 12 catches in this game for the Dolphins. How many yards did he have? Uh, 12 catches, 190. 58. Woo! What, he's like all hard slants? Like- <laughs> yeah, so that is not correct usage. And I know I yelled at earlier at the Lions to throw the ball 12 times to TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Spoiler, if you throw it to him 12 times and he gets 58 yards, I'm yelling at you again. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> also awesome. not correct. That's just the other <laughs> side of wrong. Man. Raiders are easily the most fraudulent 3-0 team in the league. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And I know we just talked about the Broncos having played fortunate teams, and I think that that's different. You have to beat those teams. So they're doing what they're supposed to do, right? You beat yeah. the bad teams. The Raiders, though, they beat the Ravens. They beat the Steelers on the road. The Steelers are obviously not very good, and they get a wounded Dolphins team on the road. Derek Carr threw for almost 400 yards again, so they're clearly letting him sling this. That's not sustainable, is it? No, like, no I mean, no, not. no way, no way, no way. And I feel like they are—they're 3-0. Gruden is absolutely walking around that camp with his chest out, pumping his chest, talking about how great he is. But that 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 is not going to last. I, I'm I'm on record. I'm on tape, as we like to say here. The Raiders are frauds. Derek Carr is playing for not only his job, Gruden's job, and their GM's job in one fell swoop. Because when his arm falls off by week nine, <laughs> what are we gonna do? But in all seriousness, like you know, you guys make excellent points of usage and 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 the situation and. A team that got blanked a week ago, and then their their quarterback, their backup quarterback, didn't show up until the fourth quarter, and you still have to take them to overtime to 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 put the nail in the coffin. It says a lot about what we're gonna see in the next few weeks. Um, I would love to see what their schedule is at some point. Um, going for the Raiders to see if we could do a win loss. Well, them. they have to they have to play the Chargers twice and the Chiefs twice. So. There we go. So there there's we go. four losses. Yeah, yeah. there we go. <laughs> One and three at best. <laughs> they have to yeah. play the Broncos twice, which, you know, 
<laughs> so that, that <laughs> the Raiders could actually still be in a lot of trouble. Didn't the mm-hmm. Bears start last season like five to two or something? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not now a team I am impressed by the Bucks 24 at the Rams 34. And Matt Stafford is balling out of control 27 of 38, 343 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Also, in this game, a wild Deshaun Jackson appears. Three dude. catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. That dude's that dude's a vampire, and he's immortal. Like the fact that he still shows up in the like in in the box score like that. Like all you got to do is get him and just have him just run flies, just run down the field, get open, and we'll, we'll get it to you. That's At least two, anyway. two a game, two a game. We'll get you two a game. Yep. And uh, Cooper Cup continues to be the number one wide receiver in the league, statistically anyways. Nine catches, 96 yards, two touchdowns. Solid, 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 solid. Yep, and my note for the Bucs on this game is that uh, they cannot run the ball, which generally is not a problem, but it could, end up be, it could end up being a problem against teams that are just as good as they are, such as the Rams. And uh, the leading rusher for the Bucs had 14 yards in this game, Cleve. Who was it? Fournette? Tom Brady. Um, whoa whoa not a, not a formula for success no way <laughs> another no. thing about the bucks too is that their their secondary is in a lot of trouble a lot of trouble their defense is not what it was last year and if they can't cover teams especially teams like the rams who very clearly the rams are going to be that team that you don't want to play them at in their home because matt stafford is going to light it up so you better hope that they don't get home field advantage because they're going to be a really tough out if they get to play at sofi stadium every week in the playoffs now, now i realize why they got richard sherman it's not to the play obviously because we don't know what he's going to show up as but to at least coach these guys up if he's on the field he's a he's a back field general for these guys to get them in position to make plays possibly if the talent's there he he can he can still play boundary corner he's yeah he could you yeah. know, especially against like the bottom seventy-five percentile guys. Maybe not against mm-hmm. Devontae Adams, but you know, he can he can play boundary corner just fine in the NFL and get by and whatever. That's really what they're looking for right now because they are mass right there in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Mm. So uh, another question. So both Sean McVay and Matt Stafford go to their respective homes and just jerk off because of how well this is going, right? Like they both were looking for this scenario in the offseason. They have it and it's like they are in the they are in the honeymoon phase like crazy. I, I said this last last year and I, I guess I'm I prove like I proved myself. Like Matt Stafford, I see why like you guys are so high on him because when he has the talent around him and he had like the guy is an exceptional talent like to still have that much juice now in his career at this stage of his career man it it it, it has to hurt your heart that he let that he was forced out they not 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 really no? um no no this is not detroit is not boston like where i'm afraid brady's gonna get booed when he comes back <laughs> this week after winning six super bowl um like we were rooting for Justin Verlander to win to win the World Series. We were happy for Ndamukong Sue last year when he got his his championship. Like as far as mm-hmm. at least the people I know, like we're all rooting for the Rams to win the Super Bowl this year. Like, we want Max Stafford to, to to get it done. So it sucks that they couldn't really put it together with him and Calvin Johnson. I mean, think about yeah. it, they had him and Calvin Johnson at the same time. Yeah, I I I took I took my shot at that. I was like, you guys. <laughs> 
you know. Yeah. So to be unable to put it together to even win a, a single playoff game, although in the Dez catch year, the Cowboys did lose to the Lions in the round before. Ridiculous picked up pass interference thing I'm not even going to get into here. But mm. in my opinion, the Lions actually did defeat the Cowboys in that game, and the refs gave the Cowboys a fifth down to try to do something, and they did. But even then, like what we're seeing from Stafford now, it's the coach. Sean McVay is such a good coach. And that's what Stafford never really had. His best coach before was Jim Schwartz. Mm. So wow. that's, what we're, that's what we're seeing here. And I'm sticking with my 49ers pick until it's mathematically impossible. But the Rams are looking really good. Obviously, you, you know, you, both of you guys are right about um, the level of coaching. And it does matter. I, I do think a, a great coach and a um, competent QB can, can get it done. I mean, we talked about Tomlin and and, and Big Ben, but um, yeah, Stafford, uh, we're gonna see some stuff, and the guy looks absolutely amazing. I, I'm I'm like, wow, this is quarterbacking clinic stuff. So it's good stuff, right? And then the next game, we have a coach that at one point was at least a good coach with a quarterback who I think is clearly better than Matt Stafford, all things considered, and they can't get it done. And that's the Seahawks seventeen at the Vikings thirty. Um, Seattle is a clear tier beneath the rest of the NFC West at this point. You know, I said Arizona and so did Matt coming into the season, but it's pretty clear Seattle is the worst team in the division right now. As far as the Vikings go, Cleve again, running backs don't matter. Dalvin Cook is out. Alexander Madison walks in 26 carries, 112 yards, six catches, 59 yards. Yep. Like I said last week, a guy can show up at Target tonight in the parking lot, pick a guy out, pay, pay fucking running back. What do I know? I'm fucking. This is actually a good. I like this experiment, Cleve. When we do a flag football game, we should actually go to Target and pull somebody out every time we do it, just to be a running back, and then like look at the numbers and see how it went. It's like, wow, the best game we had was Dave from FedEx. That's fantastic. It's great. <laughs> And then, uh, Cleve, the last note I had in this game, because there wasn't much takeaway from this game. The Vikings just sort of whooped the Seahawks. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 30 of 38, 323 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, he's having a silent, a silent, really good go at it. He's having a, like, he's, he's, he's under the radar and he's, he's doing, he's doing what he's supposed to do. And we're we're not hearing any, you know, any, any, any rumblings yet. Which is why it's going to be hilarious when he misses three games in the middle of the season with COVID, because he the vaccine. He's having a career. Uh, yeah, year. I, yeah. I didn't want to go there, but I guess this is political football. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. It's not. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not really hilarious when anybody gets COVID, but I'll, yeah. I won't. I won't. I won't laugh when Kirk Cousins gets it. It has to miss a few games, but I'll, it'll show I'll you. Smile. I'm going to smile knowingly. Yeah. Point. You know. Point taken. Like this is this is what happens when you. Fuck around and then now you're, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Seattle, Seattle Seahawks defense, folks. It's a problem. It's a real problem. And I said it in the preview that hey, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because of Russ, but that defense could be a liability. And I'm telling you, it's not good. And this is not the league where you can have defensive lapses like this, especially on a week to week basis. They've now lost two games that they can't afford to lose, and. It's just, I don't know. Like, if they don't shore up that defense, no matter what Russ does cooking, no matter what Pete Carroll does, that team is not going to get out of that division. They're just not. And I'll keep honing in on it every week that their defense looks like shit. Yeah, their defense is is truly like a bottom five, seven at best defense. I mean, it's, it's really pathetic. It's basically what Jamal Adams and 
11 losers. Like, I don't understand what's happening on the defense. Yeah. And Jamal Adams is like, I thought I left the Jets defense. What the hell yeah. is going on? <laughs> Cover fucking zero. <laughs> no, maybe that's why you don't pay safeties millions of dollars because they're pretty much interchangeable too. They're so, running back to the defense. Larger question. Seahawks don't make the playoffs and they have a bad year. What What do you think happens to Russ? I think Pete Carroll retires gracefully and Russ names the head coach. How about Ooh. Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll takes the USC job. How about that? Comes full circle. Oh, the, the, there would be sanctions the minute he steps on campus. He hire, hires, <laughs> hires Urban Meyer as his offensive coordinator. <laughs> Matt Nagy as his defensive coordinator. Oh, and Gase is his quarterback guru. Let's go. <laughs> you, you guys you guys joke but there are strong rumors that usc at least out of the top boosters they actually want anthony lynn really oh man they, they better yep. get those receivers who can catch those goal line fades and halfback dives with no time left <laughs> so I, I actually cracked up when i saw this because at first i was like why is that even on the radar but of course the charges are in la now so you yeah. probably already know them and the thing is anthony yep. lynn i bet could recruit like crazy i would i, I mean I would go play for Anthony Lynn. Like having seen him hard knocks and stuff. Well, I'm like, yeah, mm. that's that that'd be my dude. Like I, I could see him like recruiting really well to USC, mm. but Matt's right. Like, doesn't matter how well you recruit, you're throwing goal line fades. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Here it's true. And again, it's like these likable guys. Like it's been the narrative this week with the Brady Belichick stuff, and it's like at some point you have to know what you're doing. And you can be a great recruiter. You can be a guy who, you know, is somebody who gets you really fired up. But if you're not making it happen on the field, the results are what they are. It, it, yep. They just are. Like, that's what you're here for. You're here to win football games. You're not winning football games. You're out. That's how it works. And speaking of people who aren't winning football games, we have the Packers 30 at the 49ers 28. And uh, first, I want to note that Aaron Rodgers is a stone cold assassin. I mean, he mm -hmm. looks like a hitman now. Yeah, but yeah he's a killer. He's a killer. Yeah, I mean, he got the ball back with 37 seconds left, down by a point, and I mean, so calmly led this drive. Even Lamar on the 4th and 19 was sort of scrambling and chucked it, and he didn't quite know what was going to happen. Aaron Rodgers knew the Packers were going to win this game before he even got the ball. And that yeah. <clears throat> that um that goes to show, and I think I told Matt this offline, as a person, questionable, you know, as a person, I don't know him personally, but as a quarterback, he's probably the best I've ever. He's like, he's like if Marino and Montana and a couple of other guys went to a sperm bank, donated, and then they all have their DNA into a quarterback, and this is the fucking guy. Sorry to get so graphic with that, but the guy, the guy can make any throw anywhere on the field. And like you said, ice water in the veins. When the game's on the line, is that's where the Packers probably have to cave in in the offseason, like, hey. We saw enough tape on this guy. Like, we can't let him leave town. Right. Can't let him leave town. And now yeah. imagine if he had a defense. Yeah. Yeah. They march. They march in. Imagine what the score would have been with the Jets if the Broncos had had Aaron Rodgers <sighs> as the quarterback instead. It would have been 52 oh, to nothing. Yeah. 52 burger. <laughs> so, <laughs> the other note I have on this game is that it's time for Trey Lance to take over for Jimmy G. And... It's not because really? Jimmy G's yeah, it's not because Jimmy G's doing anything wrong. But after watching what the Rams did, the 49ers can't beat the Rams in this division with Jimmy G at quarterback. They might not be able to do it with Trey Lance at quarterback, but we know for a fact 
the Jimmy G 49ers are not going to beat the Stafford Rams. So mm. you have to try to do something to give yourself a chance in that situation. And, you know, maybe it's possible that the, that the Rams, this is just their year and it doesn't matter really what they do in this division, but Jimmy G is not going to get it done. I mean, I don't even know that like against Kyler, Jimmy G is going to be all that great, but against this, this Rams team that just demolished the Buccaneers, the game was not actually that close. Mm. You're going to take Jimmy so, G into that battle. Is So is it, is it the, is it his play? So what, so give me a, Give me why you don't think that he, he can take them the rest of the way. So Jimmy G, I like to use the Madden example. Jimmy G on Madden is an 81. Okay. And he's going to be an 81 at the end of the year. And he's going to be an 81 next year. And he's going to retire at like a 76, right? Okay. Trey Lance right now was like a 74. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the season, he could be a 93. We so, don't so, know. So upside. You're looking at upside. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. We don't know there, but if you're thinking about, if we're thinking about the Ram, the 49ers are playing at the Rams in the third week of January in the playoffs right now, which scenario gives them the best chance to win? Trey Lance comes in right now and has led them to that point, or they've gotten to that point with Jimmy G. If Trey Lance comes in and gets them to that point, then he's probably better than Jimmy G is already, anyways. So, right? And so if you're Jimmy not G's that, peaked. He's peaked. He, he peaked a while ago, right? Super Bowl so, peaked or before the Super Bowl? I mean, it's Super all Bowl the same. Peaked? It's all the same. He's a B minus. He's he's probably a B minus stepping out of college, right? Okay. He's just he's always been where he's going to be. But if we think like, okay, if like if I come back from the future and I say the 49ers are in the NFC title game and they're at the Rams. And Trey Lance is the quarterback. Well, he Trey Lance probably didn't take over in week 15. He probably took over early. They struggled a little bit. And then he started hitting it and off they go. Right? If I go to you and I say, it's the NFC title game. Jimmy G is the quarterback of the 49ers. You're going to be like, all right, the Rams should be favored by seven points. Minimum. Mm, right? Okay. It's just, there's no ceiling for the team with Jimmy G which is what they need because I'm only talking about the Rams I'm going to talk about them beating the Bucks, but is Jimmy G really going to go in the playoffs and beat Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady Matt Stafford and on its way no there's no chance Trey Lance probably can't either but we don't know so it's time to find out the other thing about the 49ers that is so much different than every other team that drafted a quarterback is last year, the only reason that they were bad is because they got injured. So Kyle Shanahan gets his full complement of players. Now they've had the running backs go in and out of, or whatever, but what he has proven is that he can make any running back look good. That running game is genuinely good. They have all of their players and Trey Lance actually fits what Kyle Shanahan wants to do more than Jimmy G does. So imagine if they're able to get the running game going, you don't know which running back's gonna kill you, and then you put in Trey Lance, who skill set is also running the football, right? Mm-hmm. So he gets he throws the football, so now you open up play action, you open up those bootlegs, and now these short yardage situations, they have the confidence to go for it. I've actually really enjoyed seeing Shanahan put him in in those short yardages goal line situations because the defense now has to hone in on Trey Lance and didn't they direct snap to like Kyle Uzcheck or something like that in one of those yes. situations, right? Yeah. So that's brilliant play calling. And I'm giving Kyle Shanahan the benefit of the doubt because I think he is a top tier, top three NFL head coach. And I think if you put Trey Lance in there, growing pains and all, 
the, the game plan and the scheme gets to actually also reach its ceiling with Trey Lance. And if all of that comes together in a perfect storm, that would be like a 65-64 NFC Championship game. I'm so here for it. <laughs> yeah, and so that's that. I mean, I completely agree with Matt in in his in his assessment here. You have to always be looking for the highest upside scenario. I mean, there are 32 teams in the league. So all things being equal, you would win the Super Bowl once every 32 years or 3% of the time. Now, we know that all things are equal, but even taking out that sort of thing, you know, if you were to look at who's the favorite to win the Super Bowl right now, their percentage chance is probably like 11%. It's not very high. You have to get your top ceiling outcomes. And Jimmy G doesn't even have it in his range of outcomes. Like there is no ceiling for him. So you have to Mm -hmm. go to Lance now. Even if you drop a couple games early, but you ramp up and you're on a a roll later in the year, that's what you want. That's what you want anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's just time, make this transition, and let's get it going. The uh, final game of the week, we had the Eagles 21 at the Cowboys 41. And this was a weird game. I think both defenses scored touchdowns in this game, which really helps push the push the score up. Uh, your boy Jalen Hurts cleaved 25 of 39, 326 yards, two touchdowns, but also two interceptions, and then only nine carries for 35 yards. By comparison, Dak, 21 of 26, 238 yards, three touchdowns, and he had a rush TD that was stolen by the officials. Yeah. Well, shit. The, the accuracy numbers on Dak right now are just insane. Yeah. <laughs> insane. And he is absolutely playing uh, like a guy who feels like he still has something to prove. And very clearly, the schemes that they're running up for him are allowing him to do his thing. And he's making those throws. I mean, 21 to 27, good Lord, you'll take that every single game. Except if you're Jacoby Brissett and you only throw for like 117 yeah. yards. Yeah. And he, and he had to he had to ad-lib a little bit. But Kellen Moore is actually putting him in some good, in some good positions. McCarthy is just collecting a check. Um, and obviously, he doesn't know where the fucking clock is again. So I don't, I don't know, or to call a timeout when, when you know. But going back to the actual play, because we'll get to that clock shit in a second. But going back to the actual play, um, this is a guy who had to sink for his supper a couple of years ago. He had to prove that hey, one more year, you know, we'll sit down and talk about your money, and and, and we'll see what you get. If the, had he waited, had this went on, he would have got the Josh Allen numbers. And probably right under Mahomes, playing like this. This is this is lights out football, and the guy's playing comfortable. He's playing, he's playing um, to his strengths, and um, they look good. They look good. Honestly, I think Dak should just be addicted to Jerry Jones now and be like, "Yeah, I'm holding out. I want to restructure. <laughs> I want I want ten more million a year, or, or else I'm not playing." <laughs> and just really, just really, just put the screws to Jerry Jones in the middle of the season, and like. You know, and be like, listen, for every game check, I get docked because I'm not playing. That has to go in the new contract. Or I'm not playing. Like, it just, (laughs) I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. So if Jason Garrett got to have that job for 10 years, never making anything, can you imagine how long McCarthy's going to have this job making an NFC championship game? He's going to be there until he dies. Yeah, I mean, he's looking at Marvin Marvin Lewis numbers. (laughs) He's got... He's got the parking lot, like he's, he's got the key to the executive suite. But lock. The, the NFC East is totally proving us right, Dave, in that it is outside of the Cowboys, it seems, it is interchangeable garbage. I think the Cowboys might be part of the interchangeable garbage. I just think yeah. that they are 
I think that they are a solid B team in a division of C's and C pluses. So they seem to be, you know, further further yeah. ahead of the pack. But I do have a note here that if the football team defense actually is not good or doesn't get fixed soon, the Cowboys could sweep this division. So if they sweep the division and go 500 everywhere else, that puts them at what? 13 wins, something like that. Yeah. Like it's many wins. And like, we're talking like hosting playoff games, maybe hosting two playoff games, something like that, because their division is so, it's so mm-hmm. God awful. Now I don't think it's going to happen. I actually think Washington's going to get it together, uh, get it together here. But yeah, they could be, they could be the like sixth best team in the conference and the best team in this division by far. You guys think Taylor Heineke could outduel Dak? Well, Daniel uh, Daniel Jones, yes, but Dak and Jalen Hurts. You guys think that, or do you think that, Dave? No, I don't think I don't think that uh, uh, Taylor Heineke can outduel uh, Dak Prescott. I think that Chase Young can sack Dak Prescott a few times and make it a lot a lot easier. Right? Okay. Washington would win this because of their defense. They would not win gotcha. it okay. because Taylor Heineke threw for 500 yards and six touchdowns and won a game <laughs> 54 to 51. Right? It would be because he threw no interceptions but Dak got sacked four times and fumbled once. Right? That's gotcha. how they would do it. Gotcha. By the way, Taylor Heineke, is that quarterback's name that denotes beer or quarterback name that denotes car tire replacement? <laughs> <laughs> Just asking. This is the kind of shit I think about. <laughs> well, that's a lot more wholesome than what I think about what goes through my head, especially when Justin Tucker's kicking 66 yard NFL record field goals to walk off against the Lions. <laughs> that's so good. great stuff. Oh man. So <sighs> yeah, I would I was I, I'm I'm still like like in the middle of the night last night I woke up thinking about it and I couldn't sleep for like 45 minutes. Man, you must have lost some. You must have lost something big on that game, bro. I did. I didn't lose. I didn't lose any money this weekend. I got engaged and I won money in Michigan. Won. I mean, it should all be good, but you know. <laughs> and so I woke up thinking about Justin Tucker kicking field goals. But that's oh, that's look forward. That's look forward to next week. So I made a note of just a few of the games. A few of the games here. The first, of course, Thursday night game. We have the Jags at the Bengals. The last two number one overall picks. Um. Kind of a struggle bus here for him for him this year, but I think that this game could be entertaining, if not good. But I think it could be a fun a fun game to watch. Uh, for like the sickos out there, we have the Texans at the Bills. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm very excited about that. I mean, if the, if they want to, Josh Allen could throw for 500 in this game. If you they might, want, you to. might you <laughs> might see that. They, you know, you they might take the foot off the gas or whatever, but if. If the Texans can even get like to 17 or 21, we might get 500 out of Josh Allen because they can't stop him. No. If the Bills don't run, <laughs> that yeah. very well could be, could be the case. Most, ex- well, there, I, the, to me, what's most exciting about next weekend is not the Sunday night game, which we'll get to. It's that the NFC West all plays each other. The Seahawks are at the 49ers and the Cardinals are at the Rams. So we finally mm. get to see them all against each other to see where they stack up because even though the Seahawks are not looking good, they're still one of the better teams. Yeah. And so this will be very interesting. Uh, and of course we have the Sunday night game bucks at Patriots and Brady is coming back to, to Foxborough where he's going to set the all time passing yards. Mark. Clean. First, fl- 
first play, I think he's gonna they're gonna chuck it up to uh, to Antonio <laughs> to Antonio Brown because all he needs is sixty nine yards. That's all he needs. Okay. So, yeah, he needs sixty nine yards. So it's either gonna be first play or it's gonna happen obviously in the first couple of minutes of the game. It's gonna be a uh, Mike Evans get fly or whatever, and it's it's gonna be like two two plays and that's it. We're, we're so gonna, gonna be celebrating. I want to see a 68-yard pass to Mike Evans, and he's going to the end zone. He steps out of bounds at 68, so that the pass that breaks the record can go to Gronk. Go yeah. to Gronk? Oh, I, I thought you were going to go to the all-time, the best uh, quarterback sneak ever, and just like, I'm going to get this one 68, I'm going to get this one yard. <laughs> but wait a <laughs> but minute. <I'm> gonna... <laughs> Wouldn't it be better for Gronk to catch a 69-yard touchdown pass? Wouldn't that be like the Man, best that scenario? Would, that would be insane. Same. So that's so that'd be very nice, and that is like the the thought I had first. But I don't think Grant can run sixty nine yards in a row without having to catch his breath now. That, but but you know what, Dave? That might there might be a line on that somewhere. <laughs> there might be a line on Grant catching sixteen, catching that pass, dude. Yeah, or, be, or, or 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 at least if they get to the red zone, he he'll be the guy to get the touchdown, which will be even I, sweeter. If if. If he gets, if Brady gets within twelve yards of the record, the record will go to Gronk. Yeah, which we'll call, yeah, they'll call their play action rollout bullshit. <laughs> just, uh, just, just to get it to him because that would be like, and you know that's what they want. It's just gonna be so amazing watching Brady do this, and I really do hope that the fans up there like cheer for him and give him a huge no, they, and yeah, all that. No, he, but I'm he so deserves worried. that. He definitely. I know we. I know we poked fun at Matt, and we poked fun about this game, you know, offline. But I honestly think that if someone was a contributor to the success of that, whether they played a minimal or a major part in, in it, he was there for his entire career, damn near. And he got drafted at one ninety nine. It's the the story. The story behind it is crazy. Even not getting into the stuff about him and Belichick's, you know, relationship. Yeah. The fact that if you're a fan of that team and that guy walks into that stadium and you boo him, I don't even think you know what being a fan of because a lot of people like Matt, Matt grew up with that. A lot of these young kids don't know what that was, like what he did in that league, what he did. So it's literally like a coming home, give the guys flowers and let them play football. But if, if they boo him and act like how Philly would act or some others, some other roughneck stadium. It's like, bro, like that, that he didn't, he doesn't deserve that. The guy actually keep the football, football, not the personal shit. And the guy delivered banners and, and rings. So give him his goddamn flowers. Matt, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that he's going to be welcomed with open arms when he, especially when he hits the record? Do you think the crowd will cheer for him? I certainly hope so. Um, I'm not convinced that majority of New England fans are, are feel the same way that I do but as you guys know I'm, I'm on record here as saying that uh, you know Tom Brady has done a lot for that organization he's done a lot for the league and he deserves praise no matter how it ended no matter what the particulars are of his relationship with Belichick or, or what have you I mean if you go back and unravel it it's not Israel and Palestine but it's it's both parties you know making things uh, difficult for each other but one mm -hmm. of the things I think has been misunderstood is that Tom Brady gets to be a businessman himself as well and when people get upset that he left well it's a business the Patriots on the other token of that made a business decision as well 
And, right. you know, along the way, Brady went over Belichick's head to, you know, get rid of Jimmy G because, hey, he doesn't feel like he's washed yet. And yeah. Tom Brady right now is playing in an advantageous situation for himself and even Bill Belichick. I have to give Belichick credit for a guy who doesn't answer any questions. He's directly answered questions this week about Brady coming to town. I thought he was going to be, no, we're talking about the Bucks, but he has, he's given him praise. He said good things about him. And I think what it ultimately comes down to is that these two, you know, when you have these relationships, like Cleve, you and I talked about the awkward uh, interaction between Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. Oh um, man, we got it. We got it. We got to get that before the show's know, ended. <laughs> and it's a, it, the thing about it is when you have something this long, and this successful somebody wants credit for it and that's where all the media is honing in on it but from a fan perspective if your reaction is anything but cheering i mean michael jordan when he played for the wizards which we all know didn't happen uh his his last game at the united center he got a 15 minute standing ovation they had to move the tip of the game for yeah them. that's the yeah. kind of thing that should happen at gillette stadium let the crowd cheer as long as they want to and then you move on like if you boo him during the game fine right like it's competitive you want to root for your team so so be it but acknowledge what he did for the organization acknowledge what he did for the town like let's be honest the patriots started all of this winning they won the first super bowl the red sox finally you know broke everything like brady was the first one he's the symbol of what boston sports is is known for right now even though it's going to go in a low period but my point being is he started it all and so did belichick so recognize them both, be respectful, mm -hmm. and move on. I'm going to be cheering for Tom no matter what. I rooted for him in the Super Bowl last year. I will root for him in the Super Bowl again. And in the at the end of the day, he gave me personally 19 great years and six Super Bowls. My son yeah. won't see that. My son will not yeah. see that. So I, that's the way I feel about it. I don't get caught up in the ESPN is jerking off over this narrative and whatever. I mean, they got to create content. Um, you know, people got to make money somehow. But I think in the end, it's irrelevant how they feel about each other. The fans need to do the right thing. I'm just not convinced that they will. Yeah. Wonderfully said. The In the very last game to look forward to next week is the Monday night game. The life comes at you fast game. Raiders at Chargers. I'm so, going to go. I'm not going to go full Mike Vrabel if the Raiders win this game, but I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this is a prove-it uh, game for the, for the Raiders for sure. Chiefs, yes. I mean, uh, Chargers coming off a big win on the road against the Chiefs. They got a shit ton of confidence. Herbert's got to feel good. The Raiders are coming in. Got to feel a little bit shaky. Can they hang with the Chargers on the road? I don't think so. And I think this is the downfall because I think the Raiders, to go 2-4 and four in this division, that may actually be generous. That may I think be if generous. you want to watch... I think if you want to watch an entertaining primetime game this week, definitely Sunday night, but... On paper, you would think Monday night's the game. It's not. It's Thursday. Watch the Jags and the Bengals, because if you don't, you're going to see the Chargers put up 48 to 14 on the Raiders. I'm telling you, this is an ass whooping coming down the line. That's on tape. <laughs> That's correct. Oh, man. So, uh, a little positivity, gentlemen. And actually, the New York Jets are at the center of this positivity. How about that? Um, oh. A couple weeks ago, the uh, her name I'm, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but Sophia Laspina. I'm if I'm pronouncing that wrong, my apologies. She became the first woman to score a touchdown in a Long Island varsity football game. Uh, the Jets invited her to the stadium, comped her ticket. She got to meet the team and so forth. And I thought that was a really, really great gesture in Robert Sala's part to make that happen because it recognizes 
uh, a great accomplishment, something that's never happened. And uh, I thought it was a cool moment. So I'm giving the Jets props, even though on the football field, they're they're a little lacking. He should have had her talk to the fucking team and 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 have her her highlights put up so they can see what an offense fucking looks like. Cleve, it wouldn't work. She's there because she scored a touchdown. The Jets don't know what that means. What what, what I'm saying? We'll make it on a fucking Wednesday then when when they're when they're playing their balls off. Come on. She's showing Corey. <laughs> she's she's showing Corey Davis. No 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 no. You want to catch the ball right here. That's how I caught it. Like don't you know? Anything? Laces in, fucker. So I thought the Jets did the right thing there because, um, you know, in today's world, uh, women are still fighting for position, unfortunately. And there's so many ways in which the the leaders of this country are doing them a disservice. So it's nice when somebody recognized something that may seem trivial in the larger scheme of life. But how hard was it for the Jets to comp her tickets and have her there? It it is nothing to their bottom line, but it means everything to her in that accomplishment. So I give them a lot of props. That's that's good stuff, man. I I think Major League Baseball yesterday or day before yesterday they had an all woman crew, which again I I just don't like those things because it, it took forever. And then the Air Force had like an all female cadet commander corps. I'm like it only took 300 fucking years, but it happened or whatever. But you know it, it's just it's just I hate the when it's the first of something. I hate that it takes that long for that. Um, on a closing note, did you guys see the Jerry Jones ring ceremony for for Jimmy Johnson and how cringy that was? Did you got what? What'd you guys think of that? No, thankfully I was busy this weekend planning the rest <laughs> of my life, and I didn't have to spend any time thinking about Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. Although I assume it was very cringy because it's Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. Shoved the ring on and pat him on the back and like walked away. Like shoved it on his hand, pat him on the back and walked away. It wasn't even like hey, shook his hand, thank you for the fucking Super Bowls. You know, whatever. Thank you for making the, the, the team a super power in the '90s. It was like, here you go, get the fuck out of here. It, it, it was, it was so Jerry Jones. It was ridiculous, bro. He can't get in front of his ego. Can't, can't get, can't get around it, bro. It'd be Crazy. better if they were antagonistic. It'd be better if Jimmy Johnson just swung on him or something. <laughs> <laughs> or, just, or, or just say, you know what? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah. Take the ring. I'm, I'm good. Take the Jimmy. ring. Just throw it as far as he can. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson has done a lot of talking publicly about how he has changed his approach to life uh, since he was a coach in the NFL. And, you know, he was he was a tough coach, right? He was not an easy guy to play for. And that ego, if you will, and that attitude obviously led to a little bit of a you know conflict with Jerry Jones, who has an even larger ego. And I think what's unfortunate is that the Cowboys are so far removed from it. I think Jimmy Johnson, to his credit, probably has moved on. And Jerry yeah. Jones still wants he's keeping, to get the credit. He's keeping, yeah, he's keeping it alive. Like Jerry's like, I'm, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, um, Jimmy's like, I'm, I'm, I'm over it, man. Yeah, you know, like I mean, it's been a thousand years ago. I'm fucking done. Yeah, and Jim, Jerry Jones has had his son clean his glasses for him. That's been caught on national television. So Steve, you know, they, clear, they're still doing it. I don't know. Oh, that was just that one time. Yeah, like, I think that it was that one be, time. Okay, I'm like that can't still be going on. <laughs> like, I mean, Listen, at worst, for a seventeen for a seventeen billion dollar inheritance, I'll clean some glasses. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and it's probably easier than what Bob Kraft had his son do related to strip malls and so forth. So he probably was whoa, like, whoa, "Hey, whoa. look, I got." He's like, yeah, allegedly. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, I I just you know I think that the oh, the Jimmy man. Johnson Jerry Jones stuff is very similar. Like 
obviously Jerry Jones wants the credit for it and whatever. You're the owner of the team. You bought it for like $2. It's worth $70 million or $70 billion now. Good for you. I will be interested to see what the Cowboys story arc is when Jimmy, uh, when Jerry Jones is no longer the owner, when he's no longer with us and whether some of that will change. And hopefully Jimmy Johnson will officially get the kind of credit and that he deserves because again, yeah, he's his flowers. Jer Jerry had to sign off on a lot of things, but that trade that Jimmy Johnson crafted and made, like Hershey. to have the to have the balls to do that, and to convince the rest of the league who thought you were so dumb, then say, "Look at me now." Um, yeah, you know, that that, right. that took we got a lot. Three, so. They got three Super Bowls out of that shit. Yeah, yeah he only got two, but yeah. Do you yeah. guys remember when somebody tweeted at Troy Aikman that, "Hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick has more touchdowns than you," and he just wrote, "Oh, fuck off." <laughs> I would have just threw my gold jacket up. I would have just like had the jacket as my as my new fucking like uh what what do you call it? Uh screenshot. I'm like, hey, how about that? Yeah, I'm so into Ryan's when fit. when like players and stuff clap back at people on Twitter because I think people tweet thinking that oh they won't even see this and then they're like, Oh, I see you. Uh I, I think it's great. <laughs> Ultimate keyboard warrior shit. You got it. All right. So week three was fun. Week four hopefully will be good. Um, I'm hoping to be proven right about the Raiders. But ultimately, um, you know, we'll we'll be watching the action as we always do. Another reminder, political football podcast on Instagram, Maddie S Media on Twitter, Maddie S Media 21 on Instagram, and of course the website, MaddieSmedia.com. Check out the podcast library for the hopefully resurrected manual with Cleve Wason. I'll just leave that there. And that's right so gentlemen um i had a great week i hope this uh this week is just as fruitful as last week and uh fuck urban meyer have a good weekend political football is exclusively owned by cleve dave and maddie ice and is brought to you by maddie ice media the opinions beliefs and viewpoints expressed by cleve dave and maddie ice do not necessarily reflect the opinions beliefs and viewpoints of maddie ice media 